Doug Scheiding of Rogue Cookers, baseball fan and barbecue world champion. You are listening to the Baseball and Barbecue Show with Lynn and Jeff. Welcome to episode 92, the very bonus episode of Baseball and Barbecue. I'm Len Aberman here with my bonus baby, Jeff Cohen. Hey, Len. How you doing? (laughs) Jeff, it's a week that's gone by. Usually it's two weeks. Bonus episode. Let's just say why we had to put this out. Indulge us. Okay. So we have on Gary Mintz who is the, uh, what would you say he's? He runs the New York Giants Preservation Society. Right. And we had a great interview with him. Yes, we did. And then, for some reason, we had authors on, and we we had things that weren't more important, but for some reason, they kept knocking his episode out of the, the line, right? right? Yes. So some of this stuff might be a little old, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It was such a great interview. He's really interesting. That society is very interesting. They have Zoom meetings, which you and I have been a part of yes. uh, watching. Yep. And we couldn't let this, this pass by. So this is a bonus episode for all of you. Our listeners deserve this. We couldn't keep this from you guys. So we hope you listen. We hope you enjoy. But before we do, we want to give you our contact information. Give us a call, 516-855-8214. Our email is baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is Baseball and BBQ. Our Twitter, we're at Baseball and BBQ. YouTube, guess what? Baseball and BBQ. Instagram, Baseball and Barbecue, where barbecue's all spelled out. Our website, where you have uh, past episodes, is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And please rate, review, subscribe, and follow us. Thanks. And now here is Gary Mintz. Our guest appreciates the great game of baseball. More specifically, its wonderful story. As the president of the New York Giants Preservation Society, he honors his late father by preserving the history of their beloved Giants, who called New York home from 1883 to 1957 before moving cross-country. It's a history filled with treasured moments and players, and we are honored to have Gary Mintz with us to discuss them. Welcome to Baseball and Barbecue, Gary Mintz. Pleasure uh, pleasure being here tonight with you guys. It looks like it's going to be a fun, informative, and entertaining evening, so... 
Whatever you need, I am here. Jeff, he obviously doesn't really know us, but he'll get to know. (laughs) (laughs) Gary, are you a movie fan? Yeah, I am. Okay. Do you remember the movie, I think Airplane, the one with Robert Hayes? Airplane. Right, where he tells everyone his story, and each person wants to just, like, do themselves in. In fact, the lady next to him, you know, turns into a skeleton. Right. <laughs> well, by the end of this interview. <laughs> might, no, I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> Let me start off, uh, Len. So, Gary, you look like a young man who would not have seen the New York Giants. So what got you into being the president of the New York Giants Preservation Society. Well, you're right. I, I, uh, I'm 59, so I did not see the Giants play in New York. My dad was a huge Giants fan, and I wanted to be like him. So that's what I did. He, he stayed with the Giants despite them moving from New York City to San Francisco. And my dad really was one of a kind, just a fabulous guy. Nobody ever, ever said a bad word about my dad. The only thing my dad did was wrong, in my eyes, was make me a Giant fan. (laughs) Because I was uh, wandering for 40 years with losing teams until uh, 2010 arrived and Nirvana came. And then, fortunate enough, won three times in in a span of five years. I honor my dad by doing this, but I am, you know, I was not a New York Giant fan. There was no New York Giants, so... I became a San Francisco fan in 1969, and I have not wavered since. My, my grandmother came to this country, and she learned English by watching a lot of baseball, and she did listen to the Giants. Giants were her favorite team, but when they moved out, she was a Mets fan. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, think, I think my dad probably stayed with the Giants for, for one reason. And I think if you ask a lot of Giant fans, they would tell you that one reason also is Willie Mays. Uh-huh. That was his guy. Greatest player ever. And Yeah, and loved him. You know, he would he would make up nicknames and, and do things for the Giants. You know, it was always Alvin, Blackie, Dark, and Hoyt Wilhelm. He would show you how he gripped the ball. And Frankie Frisch, oh, those basic mm-hmm. on balls. But when it came to Willie Mays, it was just Willie. And right. you know what he was talking about. We have had the pleasure of meeting Willie Mays. And, you know, whenever I have met him, it's like, what the hell am I doing here? This is really my dad's guy. And I wish I could trade places with him. My, my dad not, did not get to see the Giants win any of these World Series. He passed in uh, 2003. That, 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 that's one of my big regrets. You know, we, we had John Shea on, who recently wrote the book 24 with Willie Mays. And he said, you know, we all know about a five-tool player, but Willie Mays was a six-tool player because of the way he used his mind and how that influenced the game. Yeah, and I agree with Len, one of the greatest, you know, could be the greatest player that ever lived. I mean, I saw him as an, as an older player, but you, you, you saw he, he knew what was going on way before things were going on. I actually, we went to his first game as a Met. I was there. I, yeah, I, I mean, all day, uh, I don't know, if, Leonard, you're aware, it, the game was going to be called. It, looked, it was raining the whole day, you know, on and off, but they did play, and he hit a you know, game-winning home run. Mm-hmm. That was the one day it was okay as a giant fan to lose. 
Right. I remember that game. Uh, you know, I, my father and I went with my father and grandfather, and I remember you know Mets had the I think the Giants had the bases loaded and they hit a grand slam and then the Mets came back and then uh, William Mays fifth inning. Actually, I do remember exactly what happened. Sam McDowell was pitching for the Giants. I believe he walked the first three guys. Right. And then I, Rusty Staub hit a grand slam. Okay, so it was a Mets. I knew someone hit a grand slam. Yes. Yeah. But then, oh, yeah, really Willie, I know Willie hit the game-winning home I know Willie hit the game-winning home right. Yeah. And, he, you know, listen, he, he, we know Willie wasn't the Willie Mays that he was in his prime, of course. But to have him back in New York was very yes, my, my dad, My dad, actually, the first game I went to was in 1969. And it was a very famous game. Juan Marichal was pitching against Gary Gentry. And it was 0-0, and it was the 14th inning. Marichal was still pitching. And I told you my dad was a big fan, and I was, you know, eight years old. And, Dad, I got to go to the bathroom. And my father's like, no. <laughs> my brother will take you. My brother took me. And we're in the stalls in the bathroom there, and you hear this cheering. My brother grabs my arm, and Tommy Agee is circling the bases. And my brother never let me forget that moment so, <laughs> in a bad way. So, Gary, the, the polo grounds were nicknamed the bathtub. Now, I never had the uh, pleasure of going to the polo grounds, but why, why was it nicknamed the bathtub? It was sort of short. Uh, it was shaped like a U almost. And it looked like a tub. It was down in uh, what's called Coogan's Bluff. I never saw the stadium either. The only things I – I'm a former teacher – and I, I have written mock trials, and I did a few on baseball, and one was about the Giants stealing signs in 1951, the Josh Prager book, Echoing Green. So I wrote this trial, and I needed the students, my students who were in this club, to know that there was a stadium there. So we took a trip to the Polo Grounds. It was, it wasn't a, it was an eventful trip. Uh, we weren't <laughs> too nicely it's not the greatest of areas but you know there is a sign there that says you know this is where home plate was so at least the students knew that's there was in fact a stadium here and the book that we were doing the trial on wasn't a piece of fiction it was it was a true non-fiction book so and my father my father when we would go on the major digging would always say he he didn't, he rarely called it the polo grounds. He always called it the PGs, and that that's what I grew up hearing from my dad, the old PGs, and, and that's what he called it. What was your dad's favorite New York Giants moment? He was I, I assume the '54 World Series. I mean, he was born in 1935, so he would have been almost yeah. I would think the the catch. Yeah, I'm sorry, the shot heard around the world and, and the World Series, you know, three years later. Right. I, I, you know, life goes by very fast, and I wish I could have asked him questions that I never asked him. But I, I know he loved, my dad loved his family. He loved the New York Public Library. He worked there for almost 45 years. He loved the Giants. Those were the loves of his life. And I, I'm serious. I mean, I had three daughters, and he worshipped the ground that they walked on. He 
my father had three boys. My, I have two brothers, two, one of them passed away. So my father had three sons, never had any girls. So when the girls came, it was like, God, every time he'd come over, there'd be an outfit for them or, or whatever. So he worshipped that, that went them. So family, the library, and the Giants. Those were the loves of his life. Let's talk a little about New York Giants history. In your father's lifetime, I see that the Giants only won that one World Series in 1954. But overall, they won seven in New York, I believe. Five in New York, three in San Francisco. Three in San Francisco. Okay. So let's talk about the first couple of World Series. I see it was in the 1880s. I see a couple of them. And actually, Leonard and I, one of our favorite Hall of Famers was on that team, John Ward. John Montgomery Ward, who actually is buried out here in Uniondale, Long Island. And, you know, tell, could you, do you know anything about John Ward and could you tell us about him? I, I, don't, I really don't know much about them. I, I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you. I run this organization. I know, you know, the, the fabulous uh, players in the Hall of Fame, the Christy Mathewsons, John McGraw, Carl Hubble, etc. I am more the caretaker of this organization. There are people, you know, in their 80s, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm too young to have, you know, if I did my research to fully digest everything, then I, I would consider myself, you know, a master of the history of the team, you know, but I'd be lying to you. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have some guys in the group who, who were at the polo grounds, could tell you exactly what went on back then. We have people in their high, you know, high 80s in this organization and it, it's pretty funny they're learning how to zoom and they're part of these meetings and it's, it's it's opened up a you know free entertainment for them in this troubled times i'm sure remember is this about the old days that that's uh it's, it's great therapy for them just to talk we, we had before all this started we would have three or four meetings a year first it was at the brigino baseball clubhouse in lower manhattan then mm-hmm. we my friend Jay wound up selling the place, and we went to Finnerty's. But we had uh, Arthur Haino, who wrote this book about uh, the bleachers, and he, he was in his 90s, and he was there. Right? It was, we've had a real lot of historic things with our group, mostly, though, like I would say from the 50s on. Okay. Monty Irvin passed away. I was asked to go to his, his funeral. Then they dedicated a park to him in, in West Orange. I was asked to speak at that. Just, just the whole, we had a, there was a New York Giants Preservation Society, uh, New York, I'm sorry, Polo Grounds Night at AT&T Park. We were on the field. We were introduced. So based on the age of our guys, mo- most of them would know, I would say, from the 40s on. You know, that way that would be it. Other than there's, they won five championships in New York. Now the people in San Francisco who shunned New York is they had never won anything. Now all of a sudden they're walking around in jackets with the dates of all eight of the championships. You mm-hmm. know, got to stick it to the Dodger fans. <laughs> but now, now San Francisco has really accepted their history. And, well, you know, uh, Gary. So one of the great things I, I was telling Jeff before we, you know, we Jeff and I look. We we love the modern day game of baseball. We have a lot of issues with rules and things like that, whatever, but there's nothing like baseball history. And that's this, this, when we came up with this podcast, you know, baseball and barbecue, we thought we would talk equally about history, 
and the current game. But we talk much more about history. It's, it's right. just much more exciting. So the fun part was, as I'm researching, you know, I, I know somewhat about the New York Giants. Uh, the funny thing is, my father-in-law, who passed away uh, several years ago, and, and, and at the end, he, his memory was, was shot, but he remembered the New York Giants. And there was one day, Jeff and I were just sitting there, and he was just talking about the New York Giants like, like it was yesterday. And it just seems like the, the people that love their, whether it's the Brooklyn Dodgers, the old Yankees, the New York Giants, they love their history. So to get back to what I'm saying is, so I did a lot of research for this. And the Giants in their history, I mean, started in, in, in 1883, right? It t- for two years, they were the New York Gothams. And they had some incredible players. I mean, there were a couple of players that are now in the Hall of Fame that I had never heard of. Now, Jeff, Jeff and I do a feature called Lesser Known Hall of Famers, where we'll talk about someone that people may not know about. Right. Uh, we'll read their plaque. And, you know, because there are a lot of Hall of Famers that people have no clue who they were. I actually think the Giants, the Giants as an organization have the most Hall of Famers. That's right. And there were two that we found. One was Roger Connor. And one was Travis Jackson. Had no clue about either one of them. Um, I think Travis Jackson was a shortstop. Right. And I think Connor might have been a catcher. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to have to recheck that. <laughs> no, I think, I think he might be a right fielder, I think. I'm not sure. Jackson, I'm sure, was a shortstop. Yeah, you're definitely right. And I won't doubt the New York Giants Preservation Society president. If you say <laughs> that Roger Connor was a catcher, he was uh, a catcher. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to doubt you. You know, of course, there's there's Bill Terry and Carl Hubble, and of course, you know, one of the greatest pitchers ever, of course, you, you know, Christy Matheson. But it's just, it's fascinating, the, the players that are not as well known. What a rich history. They got, uh, a, tre- they got a tremendous history. You know, I, I forgot what happened. They started... I think even before they came to the city, they played in Troy, New York, or was supposed to play in, in Troy, New York. And when the Giants won the World Series in 2010, the representatives of Troy said that the Giants owed them for allowing them to leave to New York, and they demanded that the trophy be brought to Troy, New York, and the Giants brought it there. And there was a really good article, and they, they got their way, and it was good for them. Little, the little guys succeeded. and these these trophy things that really you you talked about the brooklyn thing when the giants have won the world series the world series trophy came to new york the following january so it came in january 11 january 13 january 15 and i was called round up the troops you know we're having a special brunch willie mays will be there and this is something i feel that can never happen if the dodgers win the Dodgers had such a tight knit community that I think that their leaving hurt so much more than the Giants. I think the Giant fans more uh, understood them leaving and were more forgiving, and, and that's why. I mean, when the Giants have won, there's been just a tremendous turnout for these things. I all of a sudden have friends. Hey, can you get me in there? You know. The trophy is, you know, if you follow hockey, it's the equivalent of the Stanley Cup, like gold. Right. You know, I'm, I, I see you have a website, 
New York Giants Preservation Society.com. I assume you or one of your people keep it up because I see this date in Giants history is always posted with things that happened yesterday. I'm not tooting my horn, believe me, but I kind of run everything. Okay. And now I retired from teaching September 1st, so a lot of my time is going to be more time devoted to this. If you look in the next couple of dates, September 29 is a really big day. That's the last game the Giants played in New York in 1957. So I also believe it's the day uh, of the catch in 1954, Willie Mays. And your latest post here is on September 23rd, 1908. And I know Len was going to ask you about this person. This is Fred Merkel, Mm, the the famous Merkel's boner. You want to tell our audience what that was? And uh, then Len will get to ask his question. Fred Merkel made an era that a lot of people, if you if you really do some research on it, you guys do a lot of a lot of people felt he was really wrongly scapegoated about about his era, and you're you're on that website. You know, I have I kept that website going, but in reality, if you go to our Facebook page, that really is the flesh and bones, and that reaches the most people. We have like I think. 2,500 or 20, some, some number of, of people who like our page. Mm-hmm. So that, that Merkel play, if you look on the link, it says, I think, nationalpastime.com. Yes. yes. You could look up any day in, in baseball history. So maybe 10 years ago, I went from January to December, and anything having to do with the New York Giants, mm-hmm. I wrote it down and then gave them the credit. If you go on our Facebook page, you'll see a lot of people are right that uh, he was wrong. Right. But it, this whole organization has been really uh, a labor of love. I love doing it. We don't charge dues or anything. It's just, uh, you know, I, my dad loved the Giants so much. He was part of one of the previous organizations. So then I just grabbed everything and said, I'm going to try to do something. And it really has worked. I mean, you know, when Mays came to these breakfasts, watching 80-year-old men stand up and cry when he walks in the room, because they don't see him being 80 years old. They see him, 25, hat coming off his head, rounding second base, going to third. And, right. I mean, I don't like seeing grown men cry. I don't mean it that way. But, you know, it's, it's a wonderful feeling that they get to see their hero and I was more happy for them than me. Jeff alluded to the fact I was going to ask you this question, and maybe it's not as good now, but full disclosure, I don't know if we've said this, Jeff and I are very big Met fans. So I was going to ask you, to a Boston Red Sox fan, and now they've won, but Bill Buckner to a Boston Red Sox fan, is that the equivalent of Fred Merkel to a San Francisco Giants fan? I, I, I would think that because of the year that that happened and without the media, I mean, Buckner, Buckner's got to be so much worse because, you know, it's all you hear right here. Buck, Merkel you hear once in a while, but Buckner, unfortunately. You know, I can tell you basically anything from 1969 on. I am very good with the Giants. And right. Bill Buckner was a fabulous player. Mm-hmm. He was the Dodger. He he was he was terrific. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the the era was you know 
I don't know how you, you don't make the play, but he um, shouldn't have been in the game though. Is really absolutely he should not have been in there. And, and full disclosure, if I wasn't a giant fan, I I, I would probably be a Met fan. Well, look, the Mets, the mm-hmm. Mets do have your orange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you. You say you you know your dad loved the Giants. Has he ever told you uh, stories about Mel Ott? Because I see your dad must have been a teenager when Mel Ott was playing. He, my dad would mimic his swing. You know, Mel Ott was a, a small guy, lefty, and he would always, you see, pitch his right leg, he would lift up before the pitch came in, and he was a tremendous player. We, in fact, have gotten in touch with his daughter. We're going to try to get in touch with her to maybe do a Zoom if she wants to do that as well. Heck of a player, Hall of Famer. Heck of a player. Absolutely. He, he, was, he, he held a record for home runs by a left-handed hitter for a very long time. I, I've got to ask it. I know you are San Francisco Giants, and, and, and so I'm going to test your impartiality here. Barry Bonds. Should Barry Bonds be in the Hall of Fame? And how do you feel about Barry Bonds? Loved watching him hit. I actually loved his father, Bobby Bonds. I grew up Bobby Bonds, Chris Spire, were, were, and Willie McCovey were, were my guys. Bonds, no, you know, if you cheated the game, I, 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 in my opinion, you, you should not be in it. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, honestly, I root for the uniform. I, I re- and that, that's the God's honest truth. I root for the Giants. I mean, even when they're horrible – it's the uniform. It's not your know, laundry. As Seinfeld said, the laundry. It's the laundry is exactly right. I've done some weird things with I, I slept in Jim Davenport's room on a road trip. I mean, we, all, all sorts of crazy stuff with the Giants. And, you know, now with gotten to be kind of an old man now, and I've gotten close with some of the members of the organization. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And I'm very happy with with this would you have a problem if barry bonds does get in the hall of fame no i just wouldn't vote for him gotcha i i go up to a lot of the ceremonies so i mean i wouldn't sit there i wouldn't stand there booing right. i don't i don't know if i'd clap either though mm-hmm. so, but i I'm, I'm not the type to sit there and booing if he's elected the writers evidently felt that uh he, he belongs and at this point they don't. You know, you know, speaking of the Hall of Fame, you guys know Jeff Kent. I just cannot believe that he gets such little votage. Agreed. Day. Agreed, I, yes. Even if you don't think he's a Hall of Famer, he gets like 10% of the vote. He had the most home runs for a second baser. He hit 100 RBIs, I think, six or seven years in a row. Maybe even more than that. On the Giants, he was fabulous. Get- Jeff and I clash on that because I, I just I just it. don't see him I, as a Hall of Famer. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I actually do. Jeff, I don't know if he is, but when you compare him to some of the people in there, that's that that's you know, we're, we're working. I mean, I could tell you stuff. I mean, Walter O'Malley's in the Hall of Fame. If you really read up on Horace Stoneham, everybody thinks he's this drunk guy, and, and that's all he did was drink. He did so much for. Uh, racial equality and Latinos and, and Asian players and starring the Cactus League and moving out to San Francisco. Well, let's get into that. So tell us about that. That'd be, that we, we, We'd love to hear about that. Well, I, I have become, 
I like I said, I was a school teacher, and and I wrote this trial about the fifty-one Giants. I wrote a trial about Juan Marichal hitting, you know, Johnny Roseboro, and Roseboro was suing. And then, you know, I met Jamie Rupert, and Jamie Rupert is Horace Owens' granddaughter. She's a lovely lady, and she's on a mission to try to get him in the Hall of Fame. So I wrote this whole thing up, the pros and cons. And, and Walter O'Malley, what did he do? He brought the Dodgers to Brooklyn, and he bought, built a palatial stadium, all right? So Horace Owens made a mistake, and, and, you know, they built the dump, even though Richard Nixon said it was the greatest well, you know, stadium in existence, and they didn't go out, and it was a horrible stadium, and the Giants played at Candlestick Park for years. But, you know, he started with the African-Americans, first all-black outfield, signed a, a litany of Latino players, Juan Marichal, Orlando Cepeda, the Alou brothers, Jose Pagan, I mean, the list goes on. McCurry, I'm mispronouncing it, I forgot his name now, so first Japanese player, he, Mansoura Mukaram, I, I forgot his name, I'm sorry, but uh, he was a left-handed pitcher. So the, the Giants tapped into the Asian market. So Horace Thonham had had all of these, and especially in today's society, trying to get differentiation, having equality and having these players all welcomed into baseball. He started the Cactus League, where spring training is. And he was, he really was the first one to go to California. It was his idea. The Giants as an organization, you know, I, I know he started to lose a lot of money and he was going to sell the team and move to Toronto. But, you know, if I was a Giant fan in San Francisco, I'd be, you know, kissing his feet that he brought a team to San Francisco. And they've been there since 1958. Again, he was going to move them because he, I guess he, Nobody would go to the games. It was, you know, you're sitting there as a Met fan. I'm sure you used to watch on Channel 9. You'd see Friday night, 1030, this disgusting multicolored AstroTurf with different greens. And then you'd see people there dressed like it was a snowstorm here in New York. I was there in July of 88 or 89. I was freezing. <laughs> the coldest winter I spent was a yeah, Exactly. We are trying, you know, some of the gentlemen in the group don't like him because he moved the Giants. I mean, you know what? It's it's so long ago already. And he really did a lot for baseball. So the first step is he's got to get on the ballot. Now, the ballot, they are not bringing anybody in this year from it's called the golden era. Uh, they're bypassing that. So it'll be next December, so 2021. And then. If he gets on the ballot and gets voted in, he would go in on 2022. If he doesn't get on the ballot, he, he's not, it won't be for another 10 years. I, I know Met fans want Gil Hodges, rightfully so. He should get in as well. I agreed. Yeah. He agrees on Jeff Kent. He agrees on Gil Hodges. I think he hasn't said anything wrong. He doesn't think Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. I, mean, I, he, I must send my uh, condolences about Tom Seaver. Yeah. <laughs> Although although I, I will say something, all of a sudden everybody in New York's forgetting he was not a good baseball announcer. He never did his homework. I mean, he I remember him doing Yankee games and Met games, but we forget about that. He he was a true just 
he was a tremendous pitcher. Yes, he was. You know, you, you mentioned a couple of things I do want to ask you about, because I'm sure your, your, your dad must have told you about that. You know, the Juan Marshall Johnny Roseborough incident, where Willie Mays was actually the one who took Johnny Roseborough into the Dodger dugout, which uh, would amaze me. Well, uh, did, he, did he ever tell you about that? And what was, uh, did he ever tell you the story? He said what he had seen that Mays separated the two. Marichelle felt that Roseboro threw the ball too close, clipped his ear or something. Very the, book, the book is called The Fight of Their Lives because mm-hmm. they, both of them became good friends after. And I think Marichelle even spoke a eulogy at, it, at Roseboro's death. Very, very, very sad, but it's a great book. I read the book and it was really good. And, and the other thing I wanted to ask, ask you about, and I'm sure you know about this game. I wish I was alive to have seen it, but it was Juan Marichal against Warren Spahn, 16 innings, each going over 200 pitches or whatever, ends in the 16th with Willie Mays' home run. I remember hearing Juan Marichal would not come out of the game saying, if that old man's going to be in the game, I'm staying in the game. Fabulous book by Jim Kaplan, the greatest game ever pitched. And we're looking to line him up as well. The, the organization... We try to get as much New York as possible, but a lot of these guys are steadfast San Francisco fans, and they love the people. We had Chris Happ, who works for MLB.com, but he works does Giants. He wrote a book on Mike Murphy. I don't know if you know who Mike Murphy is. Mike Murphy is the uh, was a clubhouse man from for the Giants from nine. He worked for the Giants from '58 until like 2016 or something. So he wrote this whole book, and and then after it was over, they were all asking Chris Chris the questions about the current team. I I called Chris up to thank him after, and he's like, "God, these guys are so knowledgeable. They know more than the people in San Francisco." And, and there's a reason why I know a lot about the San Francisco Giants. I mean, you live in New York; it's easier. Get the paper, read about it as a kid. You saw them all the time. I never saw them. You'd, you'd wake up Saturday morning, you know, when, as I got older, I would never go to sleep until I knew the, the score. And then I'd listen on radio and you'd get St. Louis and Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and there'd be static. You're like, did the guy hit a home run? Or what? And then, of course, you know, you get the post the next day and the, the dreaded end would be there, meaning night game. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, no score. So you'd wait till Sunday and the Giants usually played Saturday afternoons and if they won Saturday, won Friday, Sunday's paper, you know, you'd have the two box scores that the Giants won two games. That, that was a good thing. I'm going to speak in Cooperstown. I was supposed to speak there in June, but it got canceled. And one of the, I wrote an abstract about rooting for a team 3,000 miles away as a kid compared to what it is now. I mean, I'm sure you guys went to Shea Stadium as kids and, There'd be that red, that stupid red light by where the inning was. Yes, <laughs> and it'd be like Cincinnati and San Francisco, and it'd be San Francisco. The red light would be there for like seven minutes, and you're like, the Giants must score three runs, and then it would nothing happen. Then they go to Cincinnati, who's up there for like one minute, four runs, and right. this guy sleeping at the wheelie, or what, what's going on? A lot of chase. So that was that. That's going to be what I'm speaking about. But I've, I've gone up there, yeah, I spoke about our organization and what our goals were and what they still are. It's a, it's a bunch of old men, but we have a lot of young people, and we're not just living in the past. We're trying to get stuff done. Well, and, tell us some about that. 
Well, one of the things I spoke about, you know, they have a a wall of fame in, in, in at San Francisco. They the criteria to be on that wall is, you know, they have some people that if I told you who are on their wall of fame, Marvin Bernard, Johnny Lamaster, these guys were, you know, I'm sorry, just below par major league players. But the criteria was you had to be with the Giants nine years and or, or play five years and, and an all-star appearance or whatever. So one of our goals is to try to get the wall to become a franchise wall. And all these people you talked about, Roger Con- Connor, Travis Jackson, all of these guys who are in the Hall of Fame. You know, the Giants do a wonderful job. They, they have the retired numbers. They have the flags up. But having, you know, uh, John McGraw and Christy Matthewson and Carl Hubble and Bill Terry, you know, if there's a plaque outside, instead of just seeing the uniform, you can read about and see why these guys have become, you know, synonymous with giant baseball and why they're considered the greats of the game. So that is one of our one of our real goals is, is to try to do that. Horace Stoneham again, just, you know, again, to me, it's a no-brainer if Walter O'Malley's in there. You know, I'm not saying that Horace Stoneham belongs in there, but if Walter O'Malley is in there, then I am saying absolutely. Mm-hmm. And again, with, with today's society, and you, will, you guys all know what's going on about equality. Mm-hmm. And maybe, I, I, you know, I'm starting to not even think about it. He does belong. He does. And, and they, the Giants have opened up a, a Gotham club inside of uh, now it's Oracle Park where they have a lot of the history. Peter McGowan, who was this, really the CEO of the Giants, was one of our organization's best friends. And unfortunately, he passed away two years ago. He had told me, you know, that he was trying to get a uh, franchise museum built where it would be open at AT&T Park, well, Oracle Park again. He paints a name every time. <laughs> Ridiculous. You mean, I think it was, I thought it was called Pac-Bell Park. Yeah, what? <laughs> Pac-Bell, SBC. You know, it just, anyway, he was going to have that, and that'd be open, you know, not during the games, just every day of the year, except Christmas. But he unfortunately, you know, passed away. And, uh, hoping a lot of the history doesn't go with him because he really knew how to honor the Giants' past and, and really bringing the trophy to New York again. The Dodgers did that; nobody would show up. Right. You know, I, I went to Cincinnati last year, and I went to their Wall of Fame and museum. It was because you know, they've been around just as long as the Giants, probably longer than the Giants. And they did a great job. And I can see the Giants doing something like that because they've been around, you know, for so long. The, the Giants are a great organization. And, you know, we reaped the group, reaped the benefits of them finally winning it. You know, we we have a great relationship. I, I speak to uh, some, of the, some of the main people there on occasion. And I got an email from Stacy Slaughter. She's the director of communications. She sent me an email and said, do you have tickets for the Giants Mets wild card game? You know, the Bumgarner Syndicate. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, the best game I've ever been to in my life. I mean, every pitch. Anyway, uh, I said no. She goes, well, we want our best fan to be there, and they sent me tickets. Nice. And it was great. I mean, wonderful walking out of there. I'm sorry, it was dead <laughs> silence. It was a fabulous game. Really, every. Every pitch was. It wasn't until the eighth inning. That, that, that was the last time the Mets and Giants were good. Yeah. So. <laughs> Len? Oh, 
I had something, but you throw. Now you throw it over to me. Now I was gonna, you know, when you're talking about the the time difference, and and it's three hours, but I had a similar situation. I went to school in Ohio, and you know, trying to find the Mets, and I'm, you know, it's late at night, and the best time was when they were on the West Coast because it was late at night, and I could get them on the little AM radio, <laughs> you know, and I could, I, and I could just barely make it out. Uh, that was one thing. And then the second is when you're, I, I remember going to a game in California. Now it wasn't the, it wasn't the Giants. It was actually the A's, but same thing. We walk into the stadium. And all the games were final. Right. I see all these <laughs> games. And, and, you know, I had been there about a week and I see everything's final. And I, and I thought to myself, wow, did they all play afternoon games? <laughs> exactly right. And then you realize that, you know, you're three hours ahead. And I... one, of, one of my greatest moments as a kid was, I don't know if you guys remember Reuters, I think it was. When oh, cable, yeah, yeah, the news when, service, right? Yeah, when cable first came out, they would have inning by inning of, of the game. And that was my, one of my ways of keeping up with the Giants. And it would be like, say, the Dodgers were playing the Giants, Giants at home. It would say the Dodgers zero first thing, and then the Giants they didn't have anything. But on the bottom, it might say SF C Davis home run. So you know, Chili mm-hmm. Davis home run, right. and the Giants were at least up one nothing. I mean, these are the these are the things that that just stick in my mind. And this organization, again, this is a growing thing. Which we're, we're trying to preserve the history of the team because it, it's such a great history. So we're trying to do that, and we're not just living in the past. We're also in, in today. Right. That's why we mix both. But my job is like on these websites, unless the Giants win the World Series or like when McCovey passed away, we did a whole thing on him. But, you know, technically he was drafted by the New York Giants. Juan Marichal was drafted by the New York Giants. Somebody on the Giants throws a no-hitter. Lincecum will, will post all of the no-hitters in franchise history. I do a lot of research on this to keep the uh, the web pages going, and I'm I'm having a real lot of fun now with the Zoom getting people. Mm-hmm. You picked you picked a good time to retire. Yeah, I love I love teaching. I love the kids. I was going to I announced I was leaving in February. Mike Jeff asked where I live. I live in Huntington, and my commute Queens every day coming home just just brutal. Getting, it was getting to be like two hours. I live 35 miles away. We're going to go in the past, though, because there's a there's somebody in New York, and, and I've, obviously you know Christopher Mad Dog. <laughs> Christopher Mad Dog Russo, huge San Francisco Giants fan. And in the in the heyday of FAN, when he was on with Francesa, you know, and he was loving his Giants, they had a, a, a debate whether who was a better first baseman. It was, uh, well, it was Mattingly or Will Clark, if you remember. I'll just tell you one thing about Chris Russo. I called him up one day, and I told him, me and my friend have tickets to see the Phillies against the Giants. You want to come with us? And he came with us. Really? Giants lost one nothing. I think Ricky Jordan won the game for the Phillies. I remember Kelly Downs was the pitcher of the Giants. Ricky Jordan got a hit in the ninth inning, and Chris Russo just stood there, wouldn't move, just stared at the field. And it's like, <laughs> you know, Chris, time to go. We, we got to go. Don Mattingly, every time I saw him up, guy was hitting doubles. 
Will Clark. I love Will Clark. I got to tell you a story about Will Clark. I think Will Clark committed career suicide when he left the Giants because he went to Texas and then he went to ball. He was just forgotten. He was like he fell off the map. If he would have stayed with the Giants, they would have retired his number a lot earlier. They, they were supposed to retire his number this year. He is very close to being a Hall of Famer. I think if he would stay with the Giants, he would have. Anyway, as a school teacher, I told you I did this law program. And one year, I was presented with a San Francisco Giant jersey by the parents. And it had Clark on the back, 22, Will Clark. Maybe four or five years ago, I wore the jersey to a bunch of first graders. It was, it was sports jersey day at my school. And from that point on, that one class, the 30 kids, have called me Mr. Clark ever since. And those first graders were some of my fifth graders last year. So we had no graduation. I called the Giants, and Will Clark made a graduation message. He got on. This is Will Clark of the San Francisco Giants, and he's from the South. Wishing you guys the congratulations to the class of 2020. You guys hit a home run, and it was fabulous. That's great. What a nice thing That's to great. do. Yeah. Like I said, I made some friends with the Giants, and I, this woman, Liz, who who's Stacy's secretary, I asked her, and she says, well, you know, there's a lot of people who ask him, you know, but I'll ask him, and he did it. And, you know, I know Mariano Rivera was asking, what, 500 bucks, and I don't have money to pay people. He did it for free, and it was wonderful. I mean, really, really good. And then I had Mike Sugarman, who's on WCBS News Radio 880. He, he was from San Francisco, and he went on and wished my kid the class of 2020. Same thing. And he goes, I'm good friends with Mr. Mintz, Mr. Clark. You know, it was, it was very funny. And then he, he explained that Clark hit a home run off Nolan Ryan, the first game is a major thing. Will Clark was, he was a gamer. I mean, if you wanted one guy up for the Giants, he was the guy. I, I, I loved Will Clark. Mm-hmm. Very, very close between him and Mattingly. See, I think him and Mattingly deserve more than Kirby Puckett, say, who's at the same time as them. Puckett had the World Series. That's the, the difference. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny, Gary. You mentioned Jeff is being very good because you mentioned Mariano and $500 and – Jeff is, you don't know Jeff, but he's seething right now. There are certain ways to get under his skin. He is not the, he's the reason we can't get Mariano on the show. Because yeah. every time we ask, I can't come on because you have that Jeff Cohen on. <laughs> he wants money for it, that's why. <laughs> really wants money for it? I'm not kidding, but Jeff is not the biggest Mariano fan. We can just put it that way. Uh, Now you can have another reason. (laughs) Uh, Gary, is your group open to anybody? Is there any uh, restrictions? Or if anybody wanted to join the group, what would they have to do? All they got to do is email me. (laughs) On on a Facebook page, for example, I will will not post. The meetings, when they were live meetings, I posted it on Facebook. But the Zoom thing... I don't want any people just coming in there to cause trouble. And, you know, you, you have people who, if you post a thing, they're going to be trolling sure. there coming in who are, just want to ruin your time. That's so, yeah. Right. So, so I have my email address book with like 250 people in it. Mm-hmm. And some of them, I don't even know who they are, but 
they know me, especially again, when the Giants won the World Series, all of a sudden, hey, I'm in your group, you know, can I go see Willie Mays, you know, type of thing. So, Well, we want to thank uh, Brian Lapinto because he is who, when we had him on, the first thing he said was, you know, how can I help you guys? Uh, I think I know a perfect guy for your podcast. And he, he was spot on. And we have thank to thank you. him. Brian, Brian's a great guy. And I'm yeah. telling Jeff, I was up one night and I forgot the name of the league. He, he They had a, a football, spring football, UFL or whatever the heck it was. USFL? I don't think it was the USFL. It was the one that just folded. Oh, know? the XFL. I, you know what? I think it was the XFL, and they had the replay, and they and they said, let's go to the replay official, and it was Brian LaPinto. I was like, what? <laughs> and they had the camera on him, and it was Brian. Brian attends our meetings. Uh, you know, and he, he's big into restorations and stadiums and, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So he's a great guy, and I, I'd love for him to come to uh, some of these Zooms in the, in the near future. Yeah, he was sweet. And the, the best part, Jeff, about these Zooms were – are is that the people when we had the meetings in New York, you were only going to get the people who lived in New York, lived close by, maybe a few from Jersey. The people in Zoom, you know, we have people in California, in Arizona, and it's really so. It, some of the people might have spoke at Burgino's, you know, I, I have no problem putting them on Zoom because it's a whole new audience. Sure. I'm looking at your Facebook page and I see. Yeah, the Merkel Boner artwork, which is which was I love that. And I see one of my friends that must be part of your group because he really liked like the uh, picture. It was Greg Prince. He's part of your group. Greg, I don't know anybody who knows more about the Mets than Greg. I know, right? Great guy, he really is. And one of our members invited me to his house, and he, you know he's he's getting up there and can't really see and walk. He said, "Gary, take these programs." And one of the programs was from '62 Mets. And, mm-hmm. I, I took it, had nothing to do with the Giants, and I called Greg up and said, Greg, I want you to have this. He's just a great guy. And, you know, other than Howie Rose and uh, Gary Cohen, I, I think he knows more about the Mets than anybody. <laughs> hey, he's just my, yeah, he's a great guy. We've, he really is. He's been on a show. He's been, uh, we, yeah. we've met him before. We've been on a show with, with Greg yeah, on, a, on another podcast. So, yeah. Yeah, there's also, there's another guy who does a Brooklyn Dodger thing. He, he's great also, if, if you're interested in getting on his podcast. He's, Sam Maxwell? Sam Maxwell. Yeah. Great guy. I've been on that about two or three times. Yeah, yeah I, I actually uh, I heard one of the episodes with you on it, and it was funny because it was back from 2013. And actually, I heard you on two, two of the episodes. His podcast, I'll give him a plug, is Bedford. Is it Bedford? Bedford and Sullivan. Yeah, Bedford, right. You were on episode 33, which you can still get because I got it from my podcast subscribe thing. And you were on, I think, episode 85. Actually, you were on three because one was your initial one. Right. We just did one on Willie Mays' birthday. Right. You did Willie Mays' birthday. I heard that. But you also did when Monty Irvin passed away. So I, I heard you a few times. And, you know, some would call it stalking, but I call it doing my research. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah. whatever it is that you got to do right it's real you're very good on it and he's very good and so i i enjoyed those but uh, yeah, all these things are really it turned it's turned out to be a great side thing for me i mean i love the giants i love giant history like i said there's 
there's so much more I could know, like, you know, in the real early, early days. I, I consider myself more of the caretaker, just making sure these people are not, not that I'm technically savvy, but they don't know about making a web page or doing your Facebook. And I, I, I love putting, finding stuff and putting it up and getting good reactions and, hey, you know, this is a great thing you're doing. Thanks for keeping the history going. I went to SUNY Albany and I was a history major. This history, baseball, especially the Giants, is, is right up my alley. I love this stuff. Hey, hey, Gary, before we let you go, do you have any stories that you can tell us that, that about the Giants that not really known all that well? I'll tell you this. When I was 17, me and my friend, his name was Bruce, he passed away. We were huge Giant fans. And he, he told me that he's taking his mother's car and his credit card and we're going out to Philadelphia to see the Giants. I said, you're, you know, you're out of your mind. So we go, we, we go to the game. And then we decided to stay at the Giants Hotel. So we get into the elevator, and Ed Whitson is in the elevator with us. And he's drunk as a skunk, and he gets out of the wrong thing, and he says he wants a roast beef, and he's just out of his mind. And he was saying some nasty things about Vita Blue and Willie McCovey. You could make your own. Uh, I'm not saying anything, but, you know, Ed Whitson was from the South. And anyway... We stayed over there, and then the next morning we go down for breakfast, and Lindsey Nelson is there. You guys know Lindsey Nelson. I mean, you can sure. see him like because he's got the wacko jackets on, right? And Jim Davenport is there, and Jim Davenport said, "You guys, you know, with like some, you guys stayed here last night." He goes, "You know, how much was your room?" And we said seventy-five dollars. He goes, seventy-five dollars. You could have stayed. I have an extra bed in my room." Use it tonight. We'll get your tickets. I was like, what? So we actually drove. I remember one of the Giants had a backup catcher, Dennis Littlejohn was his name, and we drove into the vet. And then we stayed with Jim Davenport. And we had some friends who were huge Oriole fans, and we're like, they're not sleeping with Eddie Murray. You know, back then you were allowed to sleep in with another man because, you know, nobody would think anything of it. We were in a different bed. So we were in the same room. But, you know, we stayed, and it was great. And he said, you know, if you guys want to stay for the next game. But uh, Bob Nepper, who I really liked as a pitcher, was horrible that year. And we just felt that he was going to get lit. We were right. They were down 7 nothing. We had left. We did not stay for the game. But we were listening on the way home. But that, that was one of my greatest stories. And, and my greatest story having to do with the New York Giants is when we had the Polo Grounds night at AT&T Park, Peter McGowan made a great speech about the history of the Giants and how important it is. And all of a sudden, speeches end and they got to get ready for the game. And some of the Giant officials are like, okay, this is the way you got to come out this way, you know, by home plate or whatever. And Peter McGowan is saying, you know, don't listen to them. Just follow me. Just follow me. So I was like, at the crossroads, what do I do? Listen to Giant officials or listen to McGowan? I'm like, McGowan owned the team, basically. You know, prior to this, I'm following him. So McGowan brings us through the dugout, and there's Bruce Bochy. Bruce and we got to the clubhouse, and Mike Murphy is there. And in Mike Murphy's chair is Willie Mays. And nice. We had private audience with Willie Mays, and he signed balls. And I said, you know, I told him my dad worshipped you. And that's what I was saying about 
why was I lucky enough to meet Willie Mays? Uh-huh. I had met him at the trophy thing, and then the next two trophies. So I met him like five times. I mean, he, of course, wouldn't know me, but, you know, I know that I met him. I got mm-hmm. many autograph balls from Willie Mays, the, the greatest player in the history of baseball in my yeah. yeah. So those are two of my, my I think, that's, really good. That's those wonderful. Are those are yeah. really good. Gary, we, we'd like to uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, appreciate yeah. appreciate you taking the time to speak to us, and we'd love to have you back sometime. It'd be my pleasure, guys. I'm the, really, the group is, is a growing group. We are not living totally in the past, and we're not dying either. We're, we're growing. Thank you very much. Okay. okay. Thank you. Be well. Very nice. Thank you, Gary Mintz. We are sorry it took so long to put that on. But you know what? Better late than never. That was really good content. Yes, it was. And Gary's a hell of a guy. Really great guy. That Willie Mays, I agree. I think he is definitely, I would argue, the best player ever. You know what? Gary's love for his father and his father's love for the Giants, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yes. I, there's so many things we talked about in that interview that were just fantastic. Absolutely. And follow him on his Facebook page. New York Giants Preservation Society. Before we go, Len, I just want to let, uh, let the listeners know there's a great article, which I'm going to post on our Facebook page. It's called Let's Abolish Baseball's Automatic Gift Runner on Second Base. It's written by Eric Gouldsbury of the website This Great Game. And we had Eric Gouldsbury on a while ago. It is such a great article. Like I said, I'm going to post this on our, web, on our Facebook page. The must-read. I, I encourage everyone to, to read this. If you're a fan of this rule, I am not. I know you are not, and he is not either. But he gives great reasons, and you should. Uh, everybody should take a take a read, read of it. Please do. Yes, and Jeff. One other thing, we always we always end the recording, and then it's like, oh, I wish I had said this. I wish I had said that. We know that right right now. There's a lot going on in baseball. A lot of new rules. A lot of tinkering. Some people like some of the rules. Some people don't. But there are a lot of people who are angry and who want to get it off their chest. And Jeff, we're going to use this podcast as a therapy session for these people. So they have the ability to, you gave the contact information, get in touch with us, and you can give a rant. Our number is 516-855-8214 if you want to leave us a rant. (laughs) Yes. All right. So everybody, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the bonus episode and now enjoy baseball always brings you home from the poet, Shel Krakowski, the musician, Dave Dresser. We'll see you in a week with episode 93.